High Five Gear is a proud sponsor of Above180.com. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Show your individuality and have your jersey tell your story. Online, you can order at www.high5gear.com today. Don't let fashion pass you by. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Thank you to all of our supporters and our fans. We appreciate it. Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Vernon Peterson. Vernon is a three-time Team USA member. He's the manager of the Kego Connection Pro Shop in Winter Haven, Florida. Vernon also does the ball reviews for the Bowler's Journal magazine, so check him out there as well. And Vernon also won an Eagle back in 2013 at the USBC Open Championships. Vernon Timberg here. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me again, Tim. Well, Vernon, I did think it would be great to get you on. Let's uh, begin by talking about, though, tournament arsenals. People are getting back into bowling tournament play. Maybe they've taken their first couple months of league to get back into bowling or not quite set up for tournament play yet, but now they're getting ready to bowl some tournaments here after the first of the year. So let's talk about setting up that tournament arsenal and really what a bowler needs to think about. And keep things simple, we'll say you're – your typical 40-foot, 41-foot you know, uh, sport pattern that you're bowling on, and uh, where should we begin with as far as setting up our tournament arsenal? Well, the first ball, of course, needs to be a spare ball, polyester plastic, or a lot of people are using urethane now, which if you use a urethane, you can actually almost like a two-fold process, you know, especially if it's a shorter pattern where you, you might use a urethane as your one of your arsenal balls, so you could actually put an extra ball in your bag too that way. Um, I'm starting to use the urethane a little more myself for my spare balls, but there's some patterns that this, the shorter pattern makes it really tough. Um, cause there's still a lot of friction on certain patterns, but like I said, the first ball has got to be a spare ball, especially when the scoring patterns lower, like, like we talked about USB-Cs or stuff like that. But then, um, I would say the next important ball is that benchmark really, um, ball that's going to give you a read of the pattern in case they don't tell you the pattern. I mean, on sport patterns, I really like balls that don't change a lot of direction that can control the break point, especially on the fresh. So, but I mean, if I know it's a heavier volume pattern, I'm going to definitely make sure I have a real aggressive ball, a solid or a hybrid with some surface on it. I mean, my speed's a little bit on the speed dominant side, so I, I tend to lean towards uh, more surface than some players where slower ball speeds might use more shine. But like I said, on, on the fresh or mostly your sport patterns, 
I would say you definitely don't want to see the ball change too much direction and where you can start off um, trying to break down the pattern more direct and how you want to see the angles to start with before they start to open up. So, like I said, I would say spare ball, benchmark middle ball, then maybe a strong aggressive ball if you know it's going to be medium to longer patterns. So then also depends on the format too. I mean, if it's a longer format, you're going to want to need a ball when the lanes start to burn up. So then you're going to need something like a symmetrical pearl ball, maybe skid flippy a little bit when they really burn up. You got to get in, let the ball make the corner. So, so we got, well, you got four there. And the other two just kind of, I always try to, my number two ball is, let's say if it was a longer pattern, I want something still somewhat aggressive, maybe a step down from, let's say, um, a kingpin or a cash or um, some, on that line. So it's real aggressive, solid balls or something like maybe a pearl asymmetrical, like the intense. Um, a gall of fury, stuff like that. Then, then, like I said, then I would go to um, between that and like my skid flippy ball, weaker, um, another pearl um, symmetrical ball in there too. I mean, like an, even like a symmetrical like IQ tour even in there kind of fits in there too, like a solid but still clean enough, but gives you control but a little more kick on the back end. Now, you've threw out so, a lot of good a lot of good uh, pieces or a lot of good advice. Are you a fan or do you subscribe to the theory that it's it's almost best to have your equipment be from maybe one manufacturer because it makes your moves a little bit easier or is it for you, hey, if this company A comes out with a great ball and company B comes out with a great ball I'm, and, and they fit where I'm going, I'm going to go with either of those. It doesn't matter necessarily. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're on a staff, it definitely makes it a lot easier. I mean, like for me, because I did reviews for Bowler's Journal, I, I, I got to be impartial. And, like, I I have a variety of balls in my bag. I mean, when I go to a tournament, I've got three or four brands in for sure. I mean, definitely. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, but the biggest thing is I see most people in their arsenals around around the, around the country – those they they have those great pieces by all the manufacturers, but when they put them in the bag, they got all the top shelf balls. They got all these balls. Well, this ball hooks a lot. I don't like this one. Okay, I'm gonna do this one. that's a little bit different. I mean, when I start my bowlers off to try to make an arsenal, even a league arsenal, I'm I kind of do almost by looking at my wall in the shop. You'll have a top shelf ball. You have the um, second high end ball. You know, kind of go down almost in price point. Because you have to make sure you have all the realms covered. You might need a vibe when the lanes get really dry. But if you have like four top shelf balls and the lanes get really dry, and the balls are going to burn up too quick. You got, I mean, if you've got strong asymmetricals, they're going to start reading the mid lane. You're not going to be able to get in and open them up sometimes. So, yeah, if you're on a staff or you stay with one company, yeah, it does make it sometimes a little bit easier as long as you kind of go down the ball, their ball chart, you know what I mean? Their price points. You know what I mean, like, like Roto, they have the HP four, three, two, one. It makes it really easy stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, but there are all the companies have such great lines now. I mean, 
if you if you get your mindset on one company, you might miss might miss that ball that could have helped you make some more money too. Point taken. So. And you mentioned the um, the ball reviews that you're doing for the Bowler Journal. I have the latest one in front of me, and I'd uh, I'd recommend everyone uh, can you know subscribe to the Bowler Journal. Lots of great insight and info there. But let me tell you about that. Or let me uh, let me ask you. I guess how has that been? What's up? Guess been the biggest surprise since you've you've taken over that role from Joe Serrar? Um, it's been really eye-opening, I won't lie. Um, it, it really has been really eye-opening because even the smaller companies I've, I've reviewed balls for, the technology's gotten so good. I mean, you don't see those boat anchors anymore. I mean, yeah, there's some balls that work better on certain conditions than the others, but, I mean, the first year I saw maybe a couple boat anchors, but since then, the the testing, um, the CADs that people do to get start. I mean, all the, all these balls really are um, are going to work for somebody. But like I said, when I test them, I test them, do them all the same, and no weight holes because I want to see what the what the manufacturer designed to do. And like I said, like I said, if people goes, well, you don't talk bad about a ball. I'm like, well, I'm gonna tell you what the ball is going to be good for and what I see. I mean. And sometimes the ball is going to work better on Stone Street than it does on the, the light house pattern because it hooks so much. I mean, but nowadays these balls are not, when they give you more hook, they don't hook at your toes and stop. A lot of them are very continuous through the pins, unless you really try to drill them to hook even more at your toes. That's the biggest thing I see is a lot of people take these big hooking balls and they want them to hook sooner and where they lose all the energy by the time it gets to the pin deck. The biggest thing is matching up the layout to your game more than anything. And a lot of these balls are so bowler friendly now, I think, than they ever were before. And like all the companies, the cover stocks are better, the weight box are getting better. The myths before were this company was skid flippy, this company was early rolling, this company was eh, medium, mellow, was not good on drier lanes. That's all gone. I mean, all these companies, they've, their weak ball, w- balls that were weak in the field, might as well say, they've stepped that up. I mean, all the companies, I mean, the lines are so good. I mean, that's why you see some of the staffers, I mean, different staffers making shows now more than ever, or tournament wins and stuff like that. It's, it's a tough field out there for the manufacturers, but, I mean, they've gotten it down pretty good now, I'll tell you that, because I don't see... I haven't seen a boat anchor in a couple of years for sure. Well, yeah, and you mentioned one of the balls you reviewed this month was the hot sell, just to pick out an example of a very conditional ball. Now, that's not going to be a ball that you're going to want to, you know, you can have it in your bag for the Open Championship, but more than likely, if you're just your normal average player, 350 rev rate, that's probably not going to be your starting ball at a tournament like that or a tournament in general, in most case, unless we're talking short oil or something. Um, but right. it's just understanding when to throw that piece and like you said, it's not always good for the right person for the condition, but it's still that doesn't mean it's a it's a bad piece. No, it's not a bad piece. It's just, you just have to make sure it's used at the right time and the right for the right bowler. But that's like even the urethane balls now. They've gotten so much stronger. I mean, your weaker or lower rev players, I mean, I'm not the highest rev player, and these these urethane balls aren't I mean, I don't have to try to get my rev rate up to four fifty. I mean these these new urethanes are 
not the old school urethane. I mean, they're very bullet friendly for low rev rates now too. I mean, you don't need to use two hands. You know what I mean? Or try to get that rev rate up. I mean, it's a, and the way they go through the pin, you're not worried about the eight ten anymore. Trying to get five out on on the short patterns because the balls and the cores are so much stronger. Yeah, I know that uh, one thing I had a. Uh... Dave Strigliano, the, the guy who helps me out and coaches me, and I'd recommend um, you you visit Dave. Great and, guy, and um, and yeah, and he was well, telling me that too. <laughs> <laughs> he was telling me that he's had some people come into his shop because you see, we you know as bowlers we kind of gravitate to well, this is what they're throwing on TV when when we're watching the shows, and we start seeing that. And he's been like, I'm having I'm having some customers come in, and they're asking for urethane, and it really wasn't in their game. You know, it doesn't really fit in their game necessarily. Yeah. Are you seeing some of those same uh, characteristics down in your shops? Oh, oh my, oh, um, too much, way too much. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're a tournament player and you're bowling on shorter patterns. Um, sport pattern, stuff like that. Yeah, you you probably do need a urethane. But, I mean, ball and league, I, unless you're a very high-friction house or high-rev player, I, I don't, I'm not one to believe you need a urethane in league. I mean, I mean, I see a lot in my league. The last game, these guys just don't want to move in. They want to stay with urethane, so they give up hitting. They give up, first of all, they give up some hits because they're not using it at the right time. And they don't have the right angle on it. That's a, that's the best thing I think you need to do with urethane is make sure you have the right angle. I mean, you're not going to play. You don't want to be playing 15 with the urethane if you don't have the rev rate. But I mean, like I used a, a urethane ball one to New Mexico because I was playing outside first arrow and I had the angle and it it did the job. And I'm not, I'm not one of the biggest urethane fans, but I mean, there's times you use it, but there's times people don't need to use it for sure. All right, want to move along to the Open Championships, Syracuse this year. There are a lot of changes implemented over the last last year and last couple of years regarding even the condition, making things a little bit more challenging. What is your overall opinion on some of those changes from, you know, we went to the th- we added the third division to not releasing the pattern uh, to not uh, not doing the web streaming and stuff. Are you you think that uh, we're heading in the right direction as far as that goes? Well, I, you know, the live streaming I thought was good for bringing visibility to the open championships to bowling. I mean, I'm, I know if there's a live stream going on, I have it on my shop almost all the time. Um, I'm okay with them not announcing the patterns. I mean, it makes it a little tough flying. I mean, like the people in Syracuse, I mean, they're going to have a little advantage like the guys in Vegas last year. But I mean, if you're flying, like you said, you need an arsenal. I mean, if we knew like the length, it would make traveling with bowling balls a little bit easier. I mean, I don't need to know a pattern, but I mean, it just, it definitely brought back kind of the old school feeling of the first several years I was going to nationals when it was ABCs. But I mean, the, um, third, uh, that third division, I'm not totally sold on yet. Maybe because I'm in the top division and it occurred to us, but I mean, I'm just, I understand why they did it, and but I mean, it's, I'm not sure. I mean, some people that were in it, I saw kind of. I was like, eh, conspicuous maybe. So I mean, being the first year, they're still going to have to get a few more bugs out of it, I think. But I mean, if it brings more bowlers, I think it's a great idea. I mean, but I mean, I, I liked the scoring pace last year. I mean, they were tough. Um, 
I didn't execute the best I could. And, but I mean, not knowing the pattern, but when we got there, we had to go practice a little bit on the, with the bullet journal. I like the fact that the bullet journal is still on the singles, singles, doubles patterns. I really like that fact. I think that helps the bullet journal too. And increase entries. I think that was a, I think that was a great idea they did years ago and they never changed it, which I thought was really good, except for the, this year, the two surfaces played drastically dif- different for sure. But And quickly, Vernon, I want to remind folks, please check out BowlingThisMonth.com, Bowling's best and most complete technical resource right there at your fingertips. Check them out online, BowlingThisMonth.com. Seeing lots of great articles up there currently. There's a, a debate over 15 versus 16 pounds and which one of those is better for your weight. Also seeing the ball reviews up there and a great article talking about sweating the small stuff. And regarding sweating the small stuff, Vernon, let's switch over here, talk some coaching advice. You know, a lot of people have issues with their mental game, whether they're a, a novice bowler, maybe they're that three-game-a-week league player or that tournament player. But what's something that so you can, you know, what's a piece of advice you have for someone to help them keep their head right when they're bowling a competition? One thing in mental game is I think is just depending on the, the format, might as well say, I mean, you can't you can't let the game one get you down if you got a long format. I mean, you can't get down at all, really. You just really have to try to forgive, forgive yourself and forget the bad shots and just go on. Uh, another thing would be don't try to, and I've done this over the years myself, and I hate it. I hated myself for it. I mean, make a pre-notion. The scores start off really high. Well, well, if it's a longer format, you don't know if they're going to stay that way. I've seen them where they start off high, then they got really ugly. So you just got to try to really stay within yourself. Make your shots. Watch what your ball is doing. Just not really focus on other people. Focus on yourself and just try to keep your mind on what you're there for one shot at a time and fill the frames and try to strike (laughs) as much as possible. But make those spares more than anything for sure. Yeah, isn't it almost one of those things regarding scoring pace? You kind of have to not shoot that low game to almost kind of take you out where you want to be right around the number heading into the final game and then knowing what you kind of rough estimate wise of what you need or what the pace is. And then, you know, that then be that in that mindset of I need to shoot a 250. So my, my, I mean, I mean, I may need to make a big move change or a big zone change on the lanes. Oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, you can, you can watch where the guys that are bowling good are, for, you know, how they're playing the lanes if you're struggling a little bit, but I, tr- I would try not to, Worry about oh my god the guy tripped that the guy carried that the left side's easier than the right side you, you gotta really just kind of like you said give your try to make sure you give yourself that chance at the end so if it's going a little bad at the beginning just gotta try to figure it out quickly and just make the best at the end for sure without getting yourself down. All I right, mean, I've seen too many people shoot themselves in the foot because they're like oh my gosh. I'm already out of it, and it's game one. You know what I mean? So, want to remind folks if you're looking for a shirt, please check out high the number five gear.com. Lots of great colors, lots of great styles, over a thousand different designs to choose from. So, you can find your own, you can make your own, you can go and design your own shirt so you have something unique and special that speaks to you. Again, check out high the number five gear.com. Also, special opportunity above180.com listeners use the promo code. Above 180, that'll get you $20 off your order. So use that code above 180, that'll get you $20 off. Lots of great stuff. Please check them out. Hi, the number five gear.com. All right, Vernon Peterson here on the above 180.com podcast. Final final time here we have 
together, Vernon. I want it, this is a new thing, so it's either going to go great and people are going to love it who I have on, or it's going to flop and it'll dry, die a slow and miserable death. It's going to be called the 10th frame. So just going to be three quick, okay. quick questions, short answers. Just give me the first kind of thought that comes into your mind when I, I ask each of the questions, and then, uh, then we'll let, let you get back to business. Okay, so first question, favorite ball of all time? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> the one that probably pops to mind would be my – actually, my buddy designed it and Storm made it for him was um, Award Scores Unlimited. Scotty Williams made it out of Taylor, Michigan, called The Perfect Piece. I mean, that ball – I used it towards my last year of uh, juniors, my first year of adults. I, that ball, I think I could do almost anything with. I mean, I won several tournaments with it. it just, that ball just seemed to do, do everything right, I think. That, that one will always stay in my mind, I think, forever. All right. The best spot to the host the USBC Open Championships, best city? Listen, I, 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 still, I would have to go with Vegas. I just think that's like the perfect spot. I mean, I'm actually a fan of Reno, but I mean, the one spot I would love to see it go back to, believe it or not, would be Billings, Montana. Because the only way I would ever go back to Billings, and it was beautiful up there, but I'd have to say Vegas is the best spot. Okay, and third question, uh, 12th, uh, 12th ball here is a true or false question. Ball manufacturers come out with too many releases every year. <laughs> you really put me on on that one, huh? <laughs> I'm going to go false right now because I think they've been better about it. <laughs> I mean, at one point over years past, I think I would say true, but I think, uh, lately I think I would say false. I have to go false. All right, Vernon Peterson, great job on that. I, I guess those are my, my toughest questions were the ones at the end for you. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll always appreciate you taking some time, especially right around the holidays, and, um, and I'll let you get back to it, but we'll catch up again soon. And all the best of luck, and uh, we'll catch up on down the road soon. All right, thanks, Tim. You have a happy holidays and Merry Christmas, bud.